Welcome to the Spirit-Led Podcast, your guide on a journey to full enlightenment in this beautiful life. I'm your host, Joan Hope Craig. Each episode, we explore spiritual wisdom, life's purpose, and the profound impact of daily choices on our personal growth and the world. I am so happy to welcome Zachary Price with us today. He's a brother disciple that I have met through the Center of Spiritual Awareness, a brother in Kriya Yoga. And he's also an ordained minister with CSA, the Center for Spiritual Awareness. He is a clinical chaplain who works with people that are ill and dying and their families. And he's finishing up his graduate degree, a master's in theology of chaplaincy through the Spiritual Care Association's University of Theology and Spirituality. All of that sounds awesome. Welcome. Welcome, Zachary. Well, thank you very much, Joan. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um, get started and tell us just um, tell us first where you're from, your hometown, and where you live now. And also tell us how you got started with spirituality. I know that's a quite a journey. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all have our own journeys, but for me, um, uh, mine started uh, when I was 12 years old. Um, I uh, I was in a, a really bad car accident and I died. And um, um, I had I had a lot of brain damage. Um, I was in a coma for about a month. Um, and the doctors gave me about a 20% chance of survival with uh, about a 90% chance that if I survived, I would likely be in a vegetative state for the rest of my life. Um, and uh, so uh, in, when they put me in the CT scanner, I, my heart stopped and I died and um, they brought me back. And um, that, that I, and I had a near death experience. Uh, so, um, and that kind of lit the fire for everything I'm doing now with my life. Um, and, uh, when I came, when I went home, um, I, I started going to church, no one in my family had ever gone to church before. Um, and I come from the Bible belt. And so of course, you know, I heard all the normal stuff that you hear in the, you know, but what my experience was from my near death experience was, um, was not that (laughs) it was, um, it was, uh, Actually, what is talked about quite frequently in um, primarily Eastern spirituality, um, and uh, there was no—it was a beauty unlike anything I've ever experienced before in my life. It was a love unlike anything I've ever experienced before in my life. Um, there was no difference there, really. It was. Um, But this beauty that I experienced, there was no difference between me and that. There was no, there was no difference between noun and verb. There was no difference between subject and object. Um, it was simply a, a quintessence of being. Um, uh, and, uh, but that's, that's, and so it's, because that's the case and there there are no words um you can't really put it into words you can't um you can't just you can distill it down but it doesn't do it justice so um so yeah so that experience uh pushed me to where i am now um and i studied a lot of different things throughout my 20s um uh but in my um, when I was 30, no, no, when I was in my mid twenties, my grandmother, the woman who adopted me after my car accident, um, she was diagnosed with nasal pharyngeal cancer. And, uh, within about three years of that, she had, uh, attempted suicide because of the treatments and, the um, all the stuff that all the medicines the doctors were giving her, uh, she um, 
she was so miserable and had lost so much weight that she couldn't live with herself. So she attempted suicide uh, in 2012, I believe. And uh, when I found out about that, which was a little bit later, I immediately moved home and I became a live-in caregiver for her until she passed away in 2016. Um, and that actually got me onto the path of um, clinical chaplaincy that I'm doing now, which is a perfect fit for my proclivities uh, personally, you know, you know, spiritually. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so that's what got me to where I am now. Wow. Now I want to tell the audience, and thank you, Zach, for sharing all that. I want to tell the audience that uh, you do have a TED Talk, which is mind-blowing, and I'm going to link it in the notes, which goes into more detail about your near-death experience and some of the searching that you did after that. And and so we want encourage our listeners to check it out so that we couldn't, of course, recreate the whole thing here. But what you said about that experience, it seems like it you can recall it, you can relive it in your being now, that experience of that quiet and that you said no difference. There was that feeling and it seems like that I can't imagine what it must have been like to be twelve seeking some way to make sense of your experience. So it just turned you on a path of seeking and seeking and serving, really. Yeah, well yeah, well um uh you know, I come from a completely secular family, so no one in my family ever did, and we did, we rarely even talked about anything. But when I came out of my coma, um, I came out knowing things I didn't know going in, and um, and so I started looking for a language to, or some way to explain what I experienced um, during that you know that interval, and uh, and. That and with the CSA, uh, which is you know, I found different ways to explain it through different approaches I found throughout the years. But uh, with um, the teachings of well, Eugene Davis, uh, which is you know, they're universal, they're in all religions. Um, uh, it, it helped me to articulate uh, those experiences or that one experience that I had uh, in a more articulate way. So, wow. Well, actually, you just t touched on something that's another question I have for you. You said that the teachings of Roy Eugene Davis and, and the things you were seeking along the along the years, you found some universal truths. You found things that were not specific to one religion or one culture. And that's something I'm really fascinated in. I think our listeners will be, too. Could you talk about what you've learned? Like, what's the core truth that doesn't change? by culture or by a label it's given? Well, there is, um, there, okay, there is, and you don't even have to look at religion for this. Um, of course you can, because uh, it exists within every religion, every different religious language. And I really like to think of religion or spiritual perspectives as different languages, uh, different languages to talk about a single idea like there there were different approaches or languages that we use to talk about something that can't really be talked about um to a way to relate to this transcendent reality um well think uh like for in the moment right now okay so um you are joan right i am zach right um we identify ourselves individually, both of us. In fact, every person on the planet, no matter who you are, no matter what language you speak, um, no matter where you're from, we all identify our own selves as I am, right? I am Zach, right? And then you would say, I am Joan. And then anyone, no matter where you're from, what language, it doesn't matter. We all identify ourselves as I am, right? And if we think about it, the words, the words I am, a it's 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 a verb um, it means i be right in the present tense of be is being b-e-i-n-g right and that is the core of what each person is right each you know uh, it's um 
it's like, uh, and I talk about this in my talk, uh, you know, um, the largest organism on the planet um, is a, well, it's one of the largest organisms on the planet is, uh, is a grove of aspen trees in Colorado. And um, they, you know, they found this forest and they thought, oh, there's this, you know, so many beautiful trees, you know, there's so many of them. Um, but they've done some studies on it as, as it turns out, um, if you dig down into the, the earth and you come to the root system, uh, not only do these roots intertwine, uh, there's, there's actually, they're all connected. It's only, it's actually only one root system. It is one, one organism, one being expressing itself in countless different ways at one time. So, um, you know, as a, a, as a parallel to that, uh, we are kind of like that. We are one I am expressing itself in individual, uh, countless individual ways, different ways at one time. And um, so in all religion, all religion talks about this. They use different, like I said, they use different languages to express it, you know, based on the different cultures that we, we um, may come from, or, you know, the, the language that's inherent to that part of the world. But we, we all, it's all talking about this one reality, this one reality. And um, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Um, well, it's, it's a beautiful vision and, and I'm seeing the aspen trees. So what you're saying is when we see a forest of aspen trees, it's really just one tree that's just growing up through the earth in different places. And I've, I've read about trees and that all the roots are interconnected, even if for different species of trees. And that's true for mushrooms too. It's super cool. And so you're saying all humans are that, but also not just humans. Everything is the one being, um, could you give some examples, for example, of maybe some religions, how they might express that idea? The, the story of, it's in Judaism and Christianity, all right, so, uh, and, and Islam, all right, so the, the three primary um, Abrahamic religions, like you wouldn't think this, but there is a core story in Hebrew Bible that is a part of both um, Islam as well as Christianity and Judaism, and there's a core story about that most people know the story of Moses. He goes to Mount Sinai and encounters, encounters this burning bush. The bush speaks to him. And the bush says, um, you, know, you, know, you know, take off your shoes, you know, you know um, go, set, go set my people free. And Moses says, of course, yes, I'll do that. But who do I say sent me? Who do, who do I say, gives, who has the authority to do this? And the bush says, I am, I am that I am. That is my name now and for all future generations. Now, that is a core teaching, that is a core story in Abrahamic religion that talks about this one reality, this one truth that is inherent within and as every individual on the planet. There is this I am. Um, and, uh, we say the name, uh, if you want to call it, you know, we say the name of God before we even say our own names when we introduce ourselves to people, right? So, um, our individuality is, 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 uh, where our, our identity is secondary to our true nature. And, um, yes, that's, uh. That's an example. I could go on for other religions, but that's one. I think that's a great example that people can relate to. And I'm wondering if I have the skills to remember that as I go through my day, because how many times do I introduce myself to people? Oh, hey, I'm Joan. And if I could remember, I'm actually saying God being core truth and then my name. It's helpful. Maybe that'd be a good practice if I can remember to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I haven't really done that, but that's a good idea, yeah. 
Okay, so this seems like a good segue because I know one of the things that's important to you that you're studying is this concept of non-duality, and you referred to it a little bit already with the the feeling, or I don't know, the state you were in in that near-death experience, and a little bit already. So talk more about non-duality, what you're learning, and what you want to share with us. Okay. Well, non-duality, um, uh, as it's understood in the West, that's the term we typically use, but um, it actually, uh, the practice, that um, reality of non-duality is actually inherent in every religious tradition um, and in every, you know, uh, from every perspective. There's, you know, there is an underlying um, universal um, core truth to, um, you know, everything. And um, it, the, in the East, the um the word that is used is advaita which literally means uh not to um and so dvaita means to and a uh you know means not so it's a canceling out of the two right so it's not to um and non-duality is um it is the core of, as I said, every religious tradition and every spiritual perspective. Um, and it's, it's kind of the understanding um, of it is that there is this one reality and we are all experiencing individual existence within and upon that one reality. So like um, waves on the ocean, right? So we have these individual waves but every wave is entirely water and the ocean is entirely water. Or for an example, uh, you could use um, a screen. Like if you go see a movie, I mean, we've all seen movies, right? Um, we see this, all this action in this beginning, middle and end to a movie, all these emotional ups and downs, they come from our experiencing that story on the screen and all that's changing, right? But um, the one reality that does not change, and that is the ultimate truth of what's happening in front of us, is the screen. And the screen is always there. We forget the screen is there because we get caught up in the story. But the screen is the basic fundamental reality without which that whole movie couldn't exist. And... Um, you know, there, there are a lot of different examples, uh, especially in the East. Uh, there's uh, one of uh, uh, clay, and then uh, the clay would be, you know, synonymous to the ultimate reality. And then everything that's ex is made out of that clay, where you have pots or cups or plates or sculptures, you know, all those are individual expressions of that clay. But the ultimate truth of that clay, of the, of those pots and sculptures and uh, plate and everything is is the clay so yeah that's really helpful I really like the clay example of course I've heard about the wave in the ocean and the the, the screen in the movie but the clay example is really speaking to me because I'm always looking for things I can do like during the day obviously meditation is a key practice but we spend so many hours of the day interacting with other people which can be challenging sometimes for me. So imagining everybody's formed, and that's in the Bible too, right? That we were formed from clay and will return to dust and all that. So I really like that example. Thank you. Um, Zach, is there anything like that you're experiencing in your own life as you're studying? Um, you've studied all these religions as part of your personal path, but also as part of your chaplaincy work, and then you've started studying the non-duality. Is there anything like aha moments that you've had personally around these things that have impacted you? Well, uh, I am that. <laughs> um, that's a big one. I mean, that's yeah, a, yeah. That's a, that's kind of a, it's a, you know, it's, I've had glimpses of that. Yeah. Um, um, it's not a, right now, it's not a continual thing yet. I'm hoping it will be one day, but um not yet um that uh 
especially in, in my meditations, uh, they've gotten a lot deeper, especially since you and I were, finally were ordained this past summer. Um, but um, that it's almost, I don't know if I can put this into words, but it's almost like the beauty that we experience in the world, all the beauty in the world um, is, it feels, like I said, it's hard to put into words. Um, it feels almost familiar in some way, like it's kind of like what I was talking about with the, with the, um, the aspen trees, uh, that right. Everything, every expression of form, especially, you know, beauty, you know, mm. um, expression of beauty, every piece of art is an expression of one thing, that it is beauty coming out of these different forms at one time. And I don't know how many different ways I could say this, but it's, there's, the, the, yeah, and that, that I am, and, and that beauty uh, for me is the same, it's the same essence that is love. Right. That is the thing that connects us all that um we feel viscerally yeah that, um that there's this one beauty that binds and penetrates and connects everything in existence and there that there is only this um there is you know there is only god there is nothing else and um like i'm not like this you know advanced spiritually enlightened person at all but but that's kind of how i i started seeing glimpses of that after my car accident mm -hmm. and I've been seeing uh period in as time went by I, I would periodically have this this uh experience of oh that's kind of that's what I, I I that's familiar I remember that that's that seems familiar from like I've experienced that before but and so every beautiful thing in the world is almost like a window into that reality and so I, I kind of see like every person uh, as either a mirror or a window. Mm. Right? Niv, thank you so much for going deeper into that because what you just said is really moving. You said that, that for you, sometimes the aha moments happen when something's beautiful or moving in the moment. It connects you. It reminds you of that core truth, of that love, of that pure essence. And you see it through people. You see it yeah. in people as well through seeing seeing the beauty in them. So thank you for thank you for exploring that with me. Well can I say something else about that? Of course. Right, um, so I so if I found that that even things that I wouldn't think are normally beautiful, there's something beautiful about it. And it's not just things that are traditionally beautiful, yeah. like a beautiful painting. It's like just a moving, a moving it, it, it's, experience. It's, it's, more. it's there's something, almost like something is looking back at you, and it's through the window of whatever this beautiful thing or whatever this form is, that it's it's through that form that it's it's witnessing you. You know, I heard this story uh, by uh, one of Yogananda's disciples, uh, Kriyananda. He talked about. Uh, that uh that he was um like he was writing a lot and there was a window and he was looking through the window like it had rained really hard one day and then there was a bunch of mud on the window and outside the window there was like all these flowers and that he noticed that um once he saw the mud on the window he said um no that it wasn't the the window that was beautiful it was what was on the other side of the window that was beautiful and so that kind of really open my eyes to something that every person that we experience, every form, every piece of art, everything is, can be a window into the transcendent. If we, if we have the eyes to see, right. And I think in the Bible, it says, you know, for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see and ears to hear, you know, let them see or hear. And I think that kind of speaks to that idea um, of, if you're willing and able to experience that whatever dimension of that transcendent reality is right before you at that moment, then it's always there. 
there's there's not a time there's not a place when it's not and um and we i think we all based on our own places our base based on our own journeys and where we are on our own journeys um we're able to to view those things and experience those things and um and the love we have also this is another this is another dimension to it like the love we have is um it's a reminder of who we really are the reason we love people is because they give us permission to experience a dimension of the truth of our being and you know and they're they're allowing us to witness the beauty they're helping us to surrender and be in a place where we can witness the beauty that's inherent in that moment um and uh and that happens you know involuntarily i think because we can't help it and i think that's what's profound about about the people we love is we don't love them because we're trying to we love them because we can't help it because it's our nature and just like it's our nature to view to see beauty in the world and seeing beauty and experiencing love i think are different angles to the same thing but that's me i love it i love it all thank you well this might be a good transition because we've talked a little bit about some other spiritual paths other religions and non-duality and so i had a friend recently who said i don't really get like what is kriya yoga how does it fit in the big scheme of things meaning we've got all these different flavors of yoga but we've also got all the different enlightenment traditions. We got Buddhism, we've got um, Taoism, we, you know, all of this stuff. So how does Kriya Yoga fit in the world scheme? Personally, I believe Kriya Yoga is, it's, 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 it's the root of every type of yoga. Um, because, you know, Kriya means action, right? And all the different forms of practices of yoga, you know, you're, you're, you're performing some sort of action right? and the action um, is so you perform the action whatever it may be whether you're repeating a mantra whether you're following your breath whether you're following the sensation whether you're just going for a walk it could be anything any form could be served as a kriya it could um, but these kriyas um, and they exist in all all religious paths um, uh, what if you work with these kriyas what they, the kriya the action does is it gives your mind a focus and that allows the movements within the mind within your consciousness to still and when those still when those the sanskrit word is vritti when those vrittis finally still and no longer obscure your pure essence of being then you're able to witness and experience the reality of that truth. And Kriya Yoga is um, is a way of doing that, uh, and you know, the Kriya Pranayama and everything. Um, but as I said, Kriya Kriyas, you know, could be so many different things. But uh, uh, it's it's using that technique to still the mind and to still um, the consciousness, so that the light that's within can. You can witness it, and um, you know there's a there's a there's a, actually a pond outside of uh, the CSA, a little pond, a little fish pond, and I had actually I I'd used a, a, a different analogy using a pond uh, on my own, but then later on I thought I had come up with the idea of this, but then when I came to the CSA, I found out that Roy had actually <laughs> he actually was talking about the same thing. Um, he used a similar analogy. Um, and, uh, so he used to, he was talking about this pond and the leaves that cover the water, but there's a light under the, in the middle of the pond. And so if there are a bunch of leaves and there's debris on the pond, you can't see the light in the, in the pond. So you, if you can clean off all the leaves and stuff, uh, that's what Kriya Yoga does, right? That's what meditation does. Um, it, cl- it clears all that debris so that you can witness the light within and, um, uh, my the way that I had initially expressed it uh, before I actually had learned about Roy's way um, was that if uh, you had this open space and there's a pond in the middle of a field, and um, you know, and the pond is normally clear 
and clean and pure and uh, and beautiful. And right, and then um, every every few days a storm will come across. Or just imagine that there's one storm that comes across this pond, and it blows all the debris onto the pond, and um, and then you can't. You, it stirs up all the mud and everything in the pond. And you can't. You can't see through the water. You can't see to the bottom. But imagine that you walk to this pond and you and you you normally see it as clear, but um, you um, eventually you know you you you, know, you clean off all the all the leaves off the pond and the mud settles to the floor to the seabed, and you notice something looking through the clarity of that water that you've never noticed before, that at the bottom of that pond, there's actually a chest of treasure that has always been there. You just never knew it because you, first of all, you never really looked into it before. And secondly, there was, for a long time, there was a bunch of debris. So what life throws us are these storms that kind of muddy up this pond and stir up all the debris within the water. But but that treasure has always been there. And it's up to us, you know, along the journey of our lives to discover that treasure that is within. And, you know, another thing, that's another parallel within, um, you know, um, uh, Western traditions, you know, um, the kingdom of heaven is within. You know, that's, that's what Jesus said, you know. I love the, I love the analogy about the pond and so what I'm hearing you say is that the Kriyas are any actions that clear away the debris from us experiencing the kingdom of God inside or that inner inner quiet that inner peace and and as far as like what Kriya yoga is my understanding is it's it's one method or one approach of yoga which is not a religion it's a method it's a sometimes called a science or it's a method and no matter what your where you live or what language you speak or what outer cultural practices you you have and you honor anyone can practice kriya yoga because it's not saying it's not teaching people to believe any one story it's helping them go inside to their inner truth, right, and and find right. that for themselves. Exactly, exactly. And you know, just like um, I think the Buddha said this. This is a quote that's attributed to him. You know, um, he told his disciples, uh, you know, don't believe anything I tell you. Right. I read don't believe that. anything I tell you. You know, um, don't believe anything I said. Experience it for yourself. Figure it out for yourself. You know, test these methods for yourself. And then, then you don't have to believe. Then you know it. Then you know. And, and so, um, because belief implies that you don't know something. Right. Um, and Roy always encouraged us to, to know from direct experience. He said, apply what you've been taught and do it yourself. Mm -hmm. I heard him say that many times. Okay, back to the pond at CSA. I've sure been looking can. for that light for 18 years. I haven't seen the light at the bottom of the pond. Okay, so I have not seen it either. I've only been told that it's there. Right. So I guess I guess I'm I guess I'm We're believing that um, we haven't We're known. believing that was something we haven't experienced. That's true. I think <laughs> that we need to go back and sit quietly by the pond for an extended period. And did he ever say that there was a light there? Yes. He did. Okay. I read okay. it. Okay. Well, well I'll, I'll check next time I'm there. Yeah, we'll have to check on that. Maybe, maybe we'll get some comments on the podcast for anyone who's been there and seen the light. Yeah, yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> well, thank you for everything we've covered so far. I wanted to um, ask a little bit more about you specifically. because One of the things I'm interested in with this podcast is, of course, the big teachings of Enlightenment traditions and Kriya Yoga, but I'm I'm really interested in what people do like what choices they make um times in their life that they had wank up calls and made changes and um, things people do in their daily lives really motivate and interest me so i want to talk about you a little bit and 
you know, as part of your clin- clinical work as a chaplain, you need to speak all these languages and um, under, when I say languages, all these religions, right? So you've studied a lot. You've been exposed to a lot of different spiritual paths. When when you found Korea, how did you know that was a good fit for you and that's where you wanted to do, do some of your ministry work? Because it made sense. <laughs> and I think that uh, within, uh, because, you know, we, you know, they say, you know, across a lot of religious traditions, um, especially here in the West, you know, what is really emphasized is belief, just like we talked about. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we have a mind for, we have a brain for a reason. And we have a mind and a brain for a reason. And the reason for that, or having that, is to figure things out, not to follow someone like blind sheep. Right? So, because, answer your question, because it makes sense. Because, because not only does it make sense logically, it, and not only does it make sense spiritually, it makes sense um, logically. And, um, you know, it, 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 it creates a link between something, between the intangible and the tangible. It creates um, an action-oriented link that we can use to, to experience both of those, to, to merge both of those, right? Which is what yoga means, right? Yoga means to yoke or bring together, right? Um, and, uh, and, and it was almost like when I, when I, uh, when I, when I first lit, read some of Roy's stuff, it was almost like deja vu that I experienced. It was almost like, ah, oh, I've, I've heard this, or it just, this, I know this, this is, this is true. Like it resonated with me personally. So, um, yeah, does that answer your question? You did. So what I'm hearing okay. you say is it made sense, but also you knew by new, you you knew by knowing, you just knew it. And I yeah, think that's yeah. right for so many choices in life. When I look at my own life, some of the most important choices I made weren't based on facts or data. It was based on, oh, this is right. You just know. You just know. Yeah, right. Let's talk a little bit about your ministry and um, what you're doing, how people could get involved with you, um, that kind of stuff. Okay, well, uh, I am, um, I'll be teaching, uh, I think you'll, will you also be teaching this summer? You'll yep, also so be teaching this summer. so we have some Korea yeah. retreats coming up at yeah, CSA, which Korea. are going to mm-hmm. be awesome. I've seen the, the lineup. I want to be there all mm-hmm. summer. <laughs> I yeah, can't be there every too. week. I'm going to try to go for about three weeks if I can. But, um, uh, so there's that lined up. Uh, I teach meditation. Um, and the new year, I'm actually starting two new groups in my town. Oh, and um, tell us where, you, I think we didn't cover that yet. Tell uh-huh. us where you are. I live in Valdosta, Georgia, in uh, southwest Georgia. And so you said you're starting some new meditations in the new year. Yes, yeah, in the new year I am starting, um, I've, so so <laughs> I'm starting to teach a, a meditation group. Um, this is going to sound odd, but it's, it's it completely aligns with these, with um, this line of thinking. I'm teaching meditation uh, every Wednesday evening at a hair salon. But, so that's that's one. And then uh, I also te- I also hold meditations uh, with uh, all the retirement facilities and nursing homes in the area. Uh, I actually, this is something I didn't speak about earlier, but I while I've been finishing my master's, I at the same time was completing my second undergraduate degree in piano. And so what I do uh, about two or three times a month is I go to all the retirement facilities in the in Valdosta and I play the piano for um, for the residents. And I also meditate with them and I pray with them. And um, so I do that. Uh, and then uh, I will also be um, starting up, starting back up my um, online gatherings, Zoom gatherings. Um, in the new year as well. Oh, great. I'd like to be invited. So uh, maybe let's, how can people get in touch with you? Maybe we could link that in the notes, but how, how can people get on a list to find out about this stuff? Okay. Just email me at, uh, Zachary, Z-A-C-K-A-R-Y dot David, 
is D-A-V-I-D dot price, P-R-I-C-E, at iCloud.com. Cool. And we'll definitely, we'll link it in the notes in, in case somebody um, can't grab that. So they can email you and then they can find out, because I'd like to know about the online meditation as well for people who are not in the area. So I know you do meditations every Wednesday, right? I'm every Wednesday morning. And then also we can encourage our listeners to go the, to the CSA calendar on the website because they can see all of um, those things. And then, and then of course you and I are in the Sunday rotation mm-hmm. yeah. as well, which is an honor, right? Yes, it really Great. is. Great. Okay. Um, I want to ask just a couple more questions about you and we'll, we'll head towards closing up, wrapping up. So one question that I'm uh, curious about is what is your personal purpose? My personal purpose is um, to wake up, um, to realize um, my true nature, uh, God-realization, self-realization, and um, then through everything I do in life to help others to um, have that realization for themselves as well. Um, and I do that through um, teaching. I do that through um, ministering uh, to people who are, you know, um, going through difficult times, um, and then also my chaplaincy work. Right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if we talked about that, but um, my we actually haven't talked about the chaplaincy work. So, if you could maybe briefly touch on what that means for maybe not everyone knows what a chaplain does. Oh, well, it's a I'm specifically I'm a clinical chaplain. So, um, and that's what my graduate degree is, you know, focused on. Um, and uh, so basically what a clinical chaplain is, is it's a cross between a minister and a therapist. Mm. So important. Uh, Gosh. So what I do is I typically, I'm working with people who are either dying or are gravely ill um, or have been injured or are sick in some way. Uh, and I also work with their families. And as I work with the patients, I, I figure out what their belief system is, whatever whatever that may be, whether they be Christian or Hindu or Buddhist or Muslim or atheist or agnostics. In fact, some of the most spiritual people, um, some of the most spiritual people I've ever met have been atheists and agnostics. And we wouldn't normally think that, but it's true because it's how they actually interact with life because they... They were environmental activists, you know, um, uh, human rights activists, you know, and spirituality. You know, the word spirit literally comes from the word. It comes from the Latin spiritus, which is where we get our root word uh, to inspire or to expire, right? Inspiration, expiration, right? It's what it means to breathe. Literally, that's what spirit means. It means the breath of life. So anything that is in... Um, uh, bolsters that or is um, advocates for what it means to be alive that is by definition spiritual uh, but I sorry I want to put another tangent but um, what um, what my definition what my chaplain is is um, did I just did I already say that you said a, a cross between yeah. a therapist and a minister. And what I do is I help the patients to navigate to, I figure out whatever language they use to establish meaning in their lives, however they relate to the transcendental reality. And um, I help them to use that language to navigate through their experience of suffering and to establish a life-enhancing meaning on the other side of that journey. Um, and so so that's what I do professionally. And then uh I guess in some way I also do that um, in the work outside the hospital too. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have one more question for you before we close with, I know a very special moving prayer that I've heard you do before, and I'm really excited to hear it again. And that's just, um, if you would share anything like practices, habits, or routines that you have that might be helpful for the audience and selfishly for myself, to hear, you know, what anchors you in your in your experience of of this um, being that we talked about today. Okay, well, I everything in my life at this point has become devoted to self realization and God realization, helping other people. And uh, I have a, a 
pretty substantial meditation practice. I meditate for about, on average, about three hours a day, um, if not more. Um, and I've noticed that, you know, the longer I meditate, the more time I actually have in a day, which seems counterintuitive, but it's true because, it, you know, meditation slows your mind down. Um, but, uh, yeah, I take, I take time. Uh, I have, I do something that, um, I guess you could call, um, burst meditations or, um, so I'll take five minutes periodically throughout the day and I'll sit and uh or micro meditations that's a better term um i'll sit uh for five minutes and quiet the mind just in the midst of while i'm doing something i'll just stop and then allow you know i'll go through my practice and still my mind and um do you do that on a like a set schedule at the top of the hour or is it like you notice that you need it how do you, how do you it, do right that? right right now it's kind of as i notice it i it's not really a um a concretized thing it's just kind of like oh i'm feeling a bit I'm, I'm feeling a bit scattered right now so let me let me stop and then i'll stop i'll go into the silence and um when i feel it's appropriate i'll come back and do what i need to do and uh, so micro meditations really help me a lot that's beautiful that's and that's a really approachable practice for people i think during the day to take five minutes well um is there anything else you want to share before we introduce the closing prayer um, no, no, I just, uh, well, I would like to say something. Um, I would like to kind of introduce our, our names for one another that we haven't talked yeah. about. We haven't tell talked. us, tell, tell the audience about our nicknames. So, so when we got, uh, ordained, Joan and I start, I don't know who said it first, but we were kind of like, after we were, were ordained, like we were like saying, oh, brother Zach, I know, um, uh, sister Joan. So we just started kind of calling each other. Uh, sister uh, Joan or Sister Jay and uh, Brother Zach. And so you call me, what do you call me? You call me. I call you Brother Z. Brother Z and I call you Sister Jay. Yeah. Yeah. And we have, we have Brother Daniel or Brother D as Brother well. Daniel, sister Brother, D. Yeah, sister. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun, uh, playful connection. And I'm really grateful yeah, for yeah. it. We're so. starting. Yeah. I'll think, I think all of us that got ordained together are kind of bonding. Well, and and I'd heard I'd heard other people who had known Roy Eugene Davis longer, or even people from other traditions who they I'd I'd heard them call each other brother and sister disciples, mm -hmm. but I didn't really feel it until until we all met each other, our our small group, and I and it's a wonderful feeling. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, and so. I'm so excited for people to hear the Lord's Prayer, and and I know that, Zach, first I'm going to ask you to talk about it, but I'll just say I won't speak again after the prayer because I want people to just feel it, and if, if you're not driving or walking, I hope you can close your eyes and listen. So um, before we go to that, um, Zach, I'll just say thanks for being on the, on the Spirit-Led Podcast. I hope you'll come back, be here again. And so in closing, tell briefly how this prayer came into your life, how you, you know, co-created it with, with God. And, uh, and then we'll just listen and then we'll end the podcast with the prayer. Okay. So if you were listening to Jesus, uh, actually speak this prayer to his disciples and the people that he taught it to, the words you would have actually heard would sound something like this. Abundabushmaya. Nithkadeshmak. <laughs> Makutha, Wahile Watishbukta, Lalam Amin Amen. Now those are the words you would have actually heard if you were there. Um, and um, I have studied about twenty 
to 30 different versions of the um, that are taken from the original Aramaic. Um, and uh, I've put together a, a prayer that I use uh, with many of my patients that I work with and everyone that I've, that I've shared it with, no matter what tradition they come from, they all resonate with this, with this version. So I put this together and um, like I said, it comes from all the different versions of, of the prayer that came from the original Aramaic that I've studied. And um, so in this, I think that this prayer aligns very closely with non-dual teaching with uh, yoga with eastern teachings and western teachings so here it is source of all sustenance and life carve out a space within our hearts wherein your presence may abide breathe into us the life of you so that we are inspired increase in us the strength of you so that we may be empowered on our mission. Endow in us the wisdom to produce and share what each of us needs to grow and flourish. Untie the tangled threads of our judgments as we release others from the entanglements of past mistakes. Do not let us digress from our true purpose but may we be ever aware. You are power, fulfillment, and wholeness itself. As the illusion of our separation is dissolved and we are made whole once again and for all time. Sealed in trust, truth, and faith. And may this be so, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Spirit-Led Podcast. Special thanks to our producer, Monty Craig. Please subscribe to catch upcoming episodes. For support in your awakening journey, visit our sponsor, the Center for Spiritual Awareness at csa-davis.org. We offer online group meditations, classes, and in-person retreats at our headquarters in Lakemont, Georgia. Once again, that's csa-davis.org. Until next time, remember your pure essence of being and eternal relationship with the infinite.